during our Christmas Eve service, uh, I had uh, Lori read a reading that I had written a few years ago. Uh, it's kind of become a tradition for me to have it in the Christmas Eve service. And <clears throat> I wrote it uh, as if Mary is speaking. And that's the way it was read in our Christmas Eve service. But I want to share it again this morning. Uh, as someone looking on. And it's simply called, Who Are You, Little One? Who are you, little one, so tiny, so helpless in her arms? What does she see when she looks into your shining eyes? Does she see angels dancing across the sky on wings of joy? Does she see a glowing robe formed with clouds of glory? Who are you, little one? so tiny, so helpless in her arms? What does she see when she looks upon your precious face? Does she see an innocence that once belonged to mankind? Something we lost somewhere long, long ago? Who are you, little one, so tiny, so helpless in her arms? What does she see when she gazes across your soft brow? Does she see a crown resting there? Is it somehow harsh? Is it mangled, stained by crimson bright? Who are you, little one, so tiny, so helpless in her arms? Does she hear an angel speak your name? Are you the savior? O oh, little one, so helpless in her arms, does she hold the hope of all mankind against her breast? Who are you, little one, so tiny, so helpless in her arms? Will they see? Will they understand? Will they care? Will they realize it is they who are helpless? And will they know who you are? Her name was Mary. And from what we know about the times, Mary was a young girl, perhaps no older than 16. For in those times, being a teenager was hardly what we think of in our Western culture today. They did not have the shallow distractions of entertainment and carefree lifestyle unencumbered by their real responsibilities. In that culture, it was family. Everything centered around the family. They were taught by the family. They were nurtured in the family. They were given responsibility early in their life as a part of the family. And thus there was a, an early maturity. Now I don't mean to suggest that uh, children in that time didn't play games or have fun. And I don't 
suspect that as teenagers, they didn't sometimes have some struggles uh, growing up and facing life. But they were so much more grounded in reality because reality is where they lived. And so here's Mary living the ordinary life of a young girl in those days. And she was pledged to be married, which was not unusual in that time. We don't know what day it was, and it doesn't matter. But what we can be sure of is that it was just an ordinary day. People doing ordinary things. And no one, least of all Mary, expected the day to be anything exceptional. But something exceptional happened. Now before we go on, some thoughts for us to consider. We are all, it seems, pretty busy. Perhaps it's our job, or raising a family, and in some cases both. Most of us have things to attend to every day. The alarm goes off, we get out of bed, and we launch into another, shall we say it, ordinary day. I wonder how many of us have any expectation of something exceptional happening during our ordinary day. I wonder if we ever give any thought to the possibility that something from God might meet us along the ordinary path of our day. And if it were to happen, I wonder if we would notice. Would we even look up from our routines long enough to realize that God was there? Now, the shepherds could hardly miss it. <laughs> when the heavens filled with angels and they started to sing, it was a little difficult to, to miss. But I would submit that in most cases, God comes to us along the ordinary path of our day. He may want to tell us something through someone we meet. He may want to show us something in some event of that day. If, however, the day is just about us, if we are self-assured in our own wisdom, if we have put God on the back burner in order to go about our business in our ordinary day, if we are even remotely spiritually smug, we will not hear him. We will not see him. And the day will remain ordinary. And yet I submit again, I suspect very strongly that it is in our ordinary day 
that God comes to us. It may be through someone. It may be through something. The question is, are we going to notice? Are we spiritually attuned? Are we thinking about, at any point, God's will for our lives? God's purpose for us? What does He want me to do today? What does He want to accomplish through me today? Or do we just go through an ordinary day? For Mary, something extraordinary, something exceptional happened in her ordinary day. God sent an angel, Gabriel, to talk to Mary. He came to her and he said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, <clears throat> we have a tendency to spiritualize everything in Scripture. Every word, every event, every, every situation, we spiritualize it. Uh, and sometimes in doing so, we look right past the humanity that is there. But if we allow Mary to hold on to her humanity in this, instead of looking at it as this sweet spiritual experience, you're going to notice some things. A total stranger walks up to her. This young girl going about her ordinary day and tells her, total stranger walks up to her and tells her that she is highly favored and that the Lord is with her. If that were you, how would you respond? If you were out mowing the grass, working on the car, doing whatever you're doing during the day, and someone walked up to you and said, you are highly favored. God is with you. Let's follow this. Luke chapter 1, verse 29. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And notice, first of all, that she doesn't say anything. I mean, wouldn't you be kind of speechless if some total stranger walked up to you and said something like this? But it does say she was troubled and was wondering what kind of greeting is this? In other words, she was thinking exactly what you might think. What in the world are you talking about? This is just a little bit weird. 
And from the next thing we read, we know that not only was she thinking it was very strange, she was frightened by it. Why else would the angel say to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And before we go on, some thoughts. Have you ever noticed in scripture how when angels talk to people, they inevitably tell them not to be afraid? Have you ever wondered why? You know, if, if you look in art, angels are usually represented as perhaps glowing figures. Uh, a lot of times they're, they have wings. But from Scripture, there's nothing to suggest that they looked any different than anyone else. Mary didn't seem to be concerned about his appearance. It was just a stranger, some man who walked up to her. Yet something about angels causes fear. Now, I want you to understand here, I'm just going to speculate. <laughs> just a little bit. But I'm wondering if the reason they inspired fear is because when they would speak, it would be with an otherworldly presence about them. In other words, they look like anyone else, but when they begin to speak, something tells you there's so much more here than what I'm seeing. I, I really don't know the answer. But what I do know is that Mary was frightened. But here's the other thing. And honestly, even, even if you're just reading it, when the angel says, do not be afraid, don't you, don't you sense a calming feeling coming over you? In our headlong rush, running down our ordinary road, the roaring winds of life in our face, perhaps the terrible sound of Satan's fiery darts raining down around us. Maybe we need to stop and listen. Maybe we need to turn, tune our hearts to his voice and hear him say, do not be afraid. Mary heard those words and they must have calmed her soul as the angel continued. The angel said, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And I guess the angel hesitated for a moment. Perhaps there was a little silence, and Mary had tried to take it all in. And then suddenly she realized it's not possible. This is not possible. Not only is this greeting weird, strange, 
and makes me a little bit frightened. What he's saying isn't possible. She wasn't married. She was a virgin. How could she have a child? And she says, how can this be? Verse 34, she says, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered, but the explanation was as strange as the promise, as astounding as the promise. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month for nothing will be impossible with God. Before we continue, a few thoughts. The angel said, for nothing is impossible with God. We say those words, don't we? We even have songs about it. Nothing is impossible for thee. Nothing is impossible for thee. Great and mighty God, great in power and mighty indeed. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing is impossible for thee. We sing it, but how do we act? Mary said, it's impossible. You know what I've noticed through the years in my ministry is that all too often in the church uh, we easily talk about the will of God but when it comes to taking action when it comes to moving forward when it comes to stepping out and going where we haven't been before and doing what we haven't done before the church often says, yes, but. And then we spend amazing amounts of energy arguing why we can't do something. And even in our individual lives, we say we believe that God can change us. We believe that God can use us. But then we stand still make excuses, rationalize why we just, we just can't change. We just can't do this. We just can't go where God wants us to go. But what would happen if we just followed the lead of Mary? Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed. What might God do with us? What might God do with this church? 
What might God do in your life, for your life, with your life, if you, like Mary, just said, Okay. Okay. I'm your servant. Do what you will. Her name was Mary. She was ordinary. But God took her ordinary life and from it shone a beacon of light for all the world to see. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regard for the humble state of his bondslave. Behold, from this time on all generations will count me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Her name was Mary. God knew her name. He knew her life. God knows you. He knows me. He knows our life. He knows what he wants to do in and through our lives. And he knows he can do it if we allow him. If we, like Mary, will just say, okay, I'm your servant. Use me. Her name was Mary. Heavenly Father, it is a precious story that we read in your word, but it is a story that is filled with truth not just for then, but for now. Help us, Father, like Mary, to be willing to listen to you in the midst of our ordinary world and follow you in the midst of our ordinary life and allow you to use us willingly, gladly in our ordinary day. Father, we thank you for Mary. May we be like her. For we ask it in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.